Amen and amen. Heavenly Father, indeed, we have come with open hearts. We ask that your ancient words will impart our lives and your name will be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. So, we began the study of the book of the Acts of Apostles a couple of weeks ago, and last week was patent. Today is part 11 already. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And you know, it's, I, I, I always look forward to it because it's fresh, it's new every time. And last week, Pastor Bolaji took us through part 10, loaded, seriously loaded. And he left us with the question, are you living for Christ? Are you living for Christ? Despite everything that is happening are you living for christ and you know one of the things papi said was the key to keeping your life is by losing it to christ now these teachings are available on our youtube channel i'd like to encourage us to please subscribe to that channel and go back and revisit these messages over and over and over again and it will continue to change our lives in jesus name amen today we are in chapter 7 part 11. And our text is long. <laughs> and we're going to read it. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 7, verses 1 through to 60. So please um, follow me as we read. I'm reading from the easy to read version. Verse 1. The high priest said to Stephen, is all this true? Stephen answered, my Jewish fathers and brothers, listen to me. Our great and glorious God appeared to Abraham, our ancestor, when he was in Mesopotamia. This was before he lived in Haran. God said to him, leave your country and your people and go to the country I will show you. So Abraham left the country of Chaldee. He went to live in Haran. After his father died, God sent him to this place where you live now. But God did not give Abraham any of this land, not even a foot of it. But God promised that in the future, he would give Abraham this land for himself and for his children. This was before Abraham had any children. This is what God said to him. Your descendants will live in another country. They will be strangers. The people there will make them slaves and mistreat them for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that make that made them slaves. And God also said, after those things happen, your people will come out of that country. Then they will worship me here in this place. God made an agreement with Abraham. The sign for this agreement was circumcision. And so when Abraham had a son, he circumcised him when he was eight days old. His son's name was Isaac. Isaac also circumcised his son Jacob. And Jacob did the same for his sons who became the 12 great ancestors of our people. These ancestors of ours became jealous of their brother Joseph and sold him to be a slave in Egypt. But God was with him and saved him from all his troubles. Pharaoh was the king of Egypt then. 
he liked Joseph and respected him because of the wisdom God gave him. Pharaoh gave Joseph the job of being a governor of Egypt. He, he even let him rule over all the people in Pharaoh's house. But all the land of Egypt and of Canaan became dry. It became so dry that food could not grow, and the people suffered very much. Our people could not find anything to eat. But Jacob heard that there was food in Egypt, so he sent our people there. This was their first trip to Egypt. Then they went there a second time. This time, Joseph told his brothers who he was, and Pharaoh learned about Joseph's family. Then Joseph sent some men to tell Jacob, his father, to come to Egypt. He also invited all his relatives, a total of 75 people. So Jacob went down to Egypt. He and our other ancestors lived there until they died. Later, their bodies were moved to Shechem, where they were put in a tomb. It was the same tomb that Abraham had bought in Shechem from the sons of Hamor. He paid them with silver. The number of our people in Egypt grew. There were more and more of our people there. The promise that God made to Abraham was soon to come true. Then a different king began to rule Egypt, one who knew nothing about Joseph. This king tricked our people. He treated them badly, making them leave their children outside to die. This was the time when Moses was born. He was a very beautiful child. And for three months, his parents took care of him at home. Moses must have been a quiet boy. When they put him outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him. She raised him as her own son. The Egyptians taught Moses everything they knew. He was powerful in all he said and did. When Moses was about 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the people of Israel. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he defended him. Moses hit the Egyptian to pay him back for hurting the man. He hit him so hard that he killed him. Moses thought that his people would understand that God was using him to save them, but they did not understand. The next day, Moses saw two of his own people fighting. He tried to make peace between them. He said, men, you are brothers. Why are you trying to hurt each other? The man who was hurting the other one pushed Moses away and said to him, Did anyone say you could be our ruler and judge? Would you kill me just as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard him say this, he left Egypt. He went to live in the land of Midian, where he was a stranger. During the time he lived there, he had two sons. Verse 30. Forty years later, Moses was in the desert near Mount Sinai. An angel appeared to him in the flame of a burning bush. When Moses saw this, he was amazed. He went near to look closer at it. He heard a voice. It was the Lord's. The Lord said, I'm the same God your ancestors had, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses began to shake with fear. He was afraid to look at the bush. The Lord said to him, take off your sandals, because the place where you are now standing is holy ground. I have seen my people suffer much in Egypt. I have heard my people crying, and I have come down to save them. Come now, Moses, I am sending you back to Egypt. 
This Moses was the one his people said they did not want. They said, did anyone say you could be our ruler and judge? But he is the one God sent to be a ruler and savior. God sent him with the help of an angel, the one Moses saw in the burning bush. So Moses led the people out of Egypt. He walked wonders and miraculous signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and then in the desert for 40 years. This is the same Moses who said these words to the people of Israel. God will give you a prophet. That prophet will come from among your own people. He will be like me. This same Moses was with the gathering of God's people in the desert. He was the angel who spoke to he was with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai. And he was with our ancestors. He received life-giving words from God to give to us. But our ancestors did not want to obey Moses. They rejected him. They wanted to go back to Egypt again. They said to Aaron, Moses led us out of the country of Egypt, but we don't know what has happened to him. So make some gods to go before us and lead us. So the people made an idol that looked like a calf. Then they brought sacrifices to it. They were very happy with what they had made with their own hands. But God turned them but God turned against them and let them continue worshipping the army of false gods in the sky. This is what God says in the book that contains what the prophets wrote. People of Israel, you did not bring me blood offerings and sacrifices in the desert for 40 years. You carried with you the tent for worshipping Moloch and the image of the star of your god, Rephan. These were the idols you made to worship. So I will send you away to Babylon. The holy tent was with our ancestors in the desert. God told Moses how to make this tent. He made it like the plan that God showed him. Later, Joshua led our ancestors to capture the lands of the other nations. Our people went in and God made the other people go out. When our people went into this new land, they took with them this same tent. Our people received this tent from their fathers and our people kept it until the time of David. God was very pleased with David. He asked God to let him build a temple for the people of Jacob. But Solomon was the one who built the temple. But the Most High God does not live in houses built by human hands. This is what the prophet writes. The Lord says, heaven is my throne and the earth is where I rest my feet. So do you think you can build a house for me? Do I need a place to rest? Remember, I made all these things. Then Stephen said, you stubborn Jewish leaders, you refuse to give your hearts to God or even listen to him. You are always against what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. That's how your ancestors were, and you are just like them. They persecuted every prophet who ever lived. They even killed those who long ago said that the righteous one would come. And now you have turned against the righteous one and killed him. You are the people who received God's law, which he gave through his angels, but you don't obey it. When those in the council meeting heard this, they became very angry. They were so mad, they were grinding their teeth at him. But Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. He looked up into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing at God's right hand. Stephen said, look, I see heaven open. And I see the Son of Man standing at God's right hand. Everyone there started shouting loudly covering their ears with their hands. Together, they all ran at Stephen. 
they took him out of the city and began throwing stones at him. The men who told lies against Stephen gave their coats to a young man named Saul. As they were throwing the stones at him, Stephen was praying. Lord, sorry, Stephen was praying. He said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell on his knees and shouted, Lord, don't blame them for this sin. These were his last words before he died. May the Lord bless the reading and hearing of his word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So um, last week, Pastor Bolaji had, you know, given us a really, really deep teaching, telling us of how um, Stephen had been falsely accused. You know, people had gathered and told lies against him. So he had been summoned into the synagogue of the freed slaves. And at the concluding verse of, um, concluding verse of chapter 6, we saw how everyone was staring at Stephen and they said his face looked like the face of an angel. So today, we just kick off from the beginning where he said, where the high priests were asking him, if these accusations were true. Now, it's interesting to note that Stephen did not say, yes, they are true, or no, they are false. Rather, Stephen began the story from the beginning. He began the story from the beginning, and from what we learned last week, Stephen was full of wisdom. He was full of grace. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. So he was, it was almost like he was reading from a book, telling them everything he had said. And he started very politely. He said, my Jewish fathers and brothers, listen to me. My Jewish fathers and brothers, listen to me. And that introduction caught their attention. He gave all those people their due honor, regardless of the fact that they were being funny. They all had these laws. They all knew what had happened. Yet they summoned him to ask him very, very funny questions. But he was polite. He was polite despite, the, um, despite what they were accusing him of. And then he began again and repeated everything. Like, listen to what I have been saying. This is what I have said. It is written in this book of laws that you people claim that I'm blaspheming. Is it not written there? And he listed out everything as it was. So you judge for yourselves if I was wrong or if I was right. You know, a lot of times when we're given an opportunity to speak, um, perhaps um, an accusation has come up. It's, it's important for us to analyze the room and even see that these people that I'm about to talk to are they summoning me because they have my interest at heart? Or are they summoning me just to fulfill all righteousness? You know, and as we learned last week, you know, it was a court of public opinions. So it really did not matter whether Stephen was right or wrong. They had already declared the judgment. They were just fulfilling all righteousness. So regardless of anything that Stephen said, he was guilty. He was guilty as charged. He was guilty as charged. I want to encourage us to please go back and listen to that teaching again. He was guilty as charged. However, Stephen 
wanted to seize that opportunity to speak the word of God. And he did. So now let's remember that we learned that Stephen was a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with faith. He was filled with God's grace and power. That combination is lethal. He could have done anything at that time. Yet he spoke the word of God and he spoke gently. He spoke softly. He was controlled by the Holy Spirit. Another version will say that the Stephen filled with the Holy Spirit was controlled by the Holy Spirit in what he was saying. And he carefully started from Father Abraham, linked it to Joseph, linked it to Jacob, then Joseph, then Moses, and showed them that, yes, the power of God exists with or without any human being. God is still God. Now, let's go on to verse 55. It says, Stephen looked up into heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing at the right side of God the Father. So while they were looking at Stephen's face and seeing that Stephen looked bright, that his face looked like an angel, like the face of an angel, the light that was illuminating Stephen was coming directly from heaven. The light was coming directly from heaven. So it brings us to perspectives. What are you hearing? What do you see? What do you see? What do you see? Are you seeing limitless open heavens or are you seeing limitations? Because the people, all they saw was just Stephen and all they had in mind was, well, God, talk quick so that we can do the needful stone you to death or something. But Stephen was seeing heaven. And as soon as he saw heaven, he immediately told everyone that, see, I can see heaven open. I can see heaven open. Stephen could see heaven open. And, you know, that made me, I mean, I stopped and I thought about it, that if Stephen could see, he, the, the gates to his eyes were opened supernaturally. They were opened spiritually. So let's pause a bit and talk about gates. There are gates in our lives as human beings. Our eyes, our gates, our mouth, gates, our hands, gates, our feet, gates, our mouth, gates. And these gates, with these gates we speak and heaven hears. We touch and people are healed. We see in the physical and we see in the supernatural. Of course, there are many more gates, but for the purpose of this teaching, we'll just stick with those ones that have mentioned. And through these gates, supernatural transactions take place. An instance is what we've seen here with Stephen. Stephen looked up and he saw heaven open. The other people in the courts, they were looking down at Stephen and all they could see was a human being. But Stephen could see heaven. So his eyes were attuned with the supernatural. Verse 56 says, Stephen said, look, I see heaven open, and I see the Son of Man standing at God's right side. Now, instead of them to connect with Stephen and say, ha Stephen, you mean you are seeing heaven? No, they did not. The instead, what they did was, 
all their gates, their eyes, their hands, their mouth, their legs, they just used it for the wrong things. They used their, their mouth gates. Instead of them to say, heaven is open, Father, receive our praise. No, they started shouting at Stephen. Instead of them to use their hands to clap in adoration of the king, the king of kings, they were using it to push out Stephen. And instead of them to use their feet to dance, they used their feet to go and commit murder. They used their feet to push out Stephen to commit murder. So just imagine if they had hearkened to Stephen that day. Just imagine if everyone in that court had hearkened to Stephen that day, they would have seen open heavens. How do I know? Second Kings chapter 6, verse 17. It's the story of how Elisha was surrounded by the king's army. They came to capture Elisha and his servant was scared and in verse 17 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 17 then Elisha prayed and said Lord I ask you to open I ask you open my servant's eyes so that he can see the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and the servant saw the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire they were all around Elisha the servant's previously did not see that they had more with them than more against them. Not only were the, the chariots and horses around them, they were not ordinary chariots and horses. They had fire so that if anyone attempts to cross that boundary, they will be roasted. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, anyone, any force that attempts to come at us, they will be roasted by the fire of God in the name of Jesus. Amen. So two things jump right out at us here. Number one, Elisha prayed for his servant's eyes to be opened. So if the high priest had humbled themselves and said, Stephen, pray for us that our eyes will be opened. Let us see these open heavens that you see they would have seen what Stephen saw. Number two, Elisha could already see the chariots of fire. He did not need to pray. He didn't need to say, oh God, open my eyes. Let me see if your chariots are surrounding me, if your army is round about me. He could see. He could see. You know, and when I think about it, while Stephen was still telling people, oh, see, I see open heavens. Elisha, if, if Elisha were to trade places with Stephen, Elisha would have just sent down fire immediately. Father, fire these people. Fire them. Fire them. Roast all of them one time. You know, but, but Stephen was controlled by the Holy Spirit. Stephen was controlled by the Holy Spirit. You know, you remember when the soldiers came to arrest Elisha? Elisha didn't waste time with them. Fire consumed these people. The next batch came, fire consumed these people. By the third one, that man said, Oh God, beg, now message didn't send me. I'm just a messenger because have mercy, you know. The second example I'd like to share is from 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and then um, verses 9 through to 12a. So we'll take verse 1 and 2 first. It says, it was near the time for the Lord to take Elijah by a whirlwind up into heaven. Elijah and Elisha started to leave Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here because the Lord told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha said, I promise as the Lord lives and as you leave, I will not leave you. So the two men went down to Bethel. 
So we'll go to skip to verses 9 to 12a. Verse 9. After they crossed the river, Elijah said to Elisha, What do you want me to do for you before God takes me away from you? Elisha said, I ask you for a double share of your spirit on me. Elijah said, if you, Elijah said, you have asked a hard thing. If you see me when I'm taken from you, it will happen. But if you don't see me when I'm taken from you, it will not happen. Elijah and Elisha were walking and talking together. Suddenly, some horses and a chariot came and separated Elijah from Elisha. The horses and the chariots were like fire. Then Elijah was carried up into heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw it and shouted, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and his horses. Elisha heard it. Elisha saw it and it came to pass. So we see that what you see largely determines how you respond to situations. Stephen saw heaven open. He saw heaven open and in comparison to the people making noise all around him, they were nothing. They were absolutely nothing. This year we have heard the word limitless and we will all see it and experience it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. However, who are you surrounding yourself with? Are you surrounding yourself with the people that will say, oh, let's go and tell lies. They'll pay us money here and there. Is it that it's a situation of um, two blind people leading themselves? This year, again, is a very special year. It is, it is, it is, it is a special year. And as far as your spiritual eyes can see, as far as your spiritual ears can hear. So I want to encourage us and I pray that we will activate our ear gates, our, our eye gates, and come up higher in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to share a quick experience I had some years back. I was going to write an exam. And <laughs> ah, so when I went to write that exam, okay, so let me just skip to this part. I got into the hall, and eventually they gave me a seat I didn't like, and I complained that I didn't like the seat. And the invigilator was upset with me and took me to another seat eventually. And as soon as I sat down, this young lady sat next to me. And she said, you know, this exam is 60 questions for 60 minutes. Let's do collabo. You answer the first 30, I'll answer the next 30. Then we will exchange. Ah, ah. Wisdom, babanla, wisdom. Ah, ah. So... Me, I will sit down, use my brain, and do 30 and give you. Do I know what category your brain is? That you now collect free 30 answers. I said, that was number one. Number two, I know that if I attempt it, before I even finish exchanging the paper, they will catch me. I know the house I'm coming from. I don't know the house you're coming from. But I know where I'm coming from. And I know who my God is. I know that the cane they will flog me is bigger than the cane you, you will chop. But wait, though. I should do 30. Then you, you will do 30. Then we will now exchange. That your 30. Only God does that. I just guess what, guess what, guess what, guess what. Anyway, to cut the long story short, I just looked at her. I said, this one is from the pit of hell. I shall answer neither yes or no. I just face front. The next thing, she slipped her paper. Ah, ah, very 
I don't know how to put it. Very slowly, she just dropped the paper on the seat. So we sat, you sit, one seat will be empty, then the next person sits. And she just slid the paper on that seat. I looked at the paper, I just kept my eyes straight, like when you're tired, you pick up your paper. The next thing I just heard behind me, both of you, stand up. Hey, I said, Temi Bamileni. I did not do anything. I froze. But apparently, the invigilator was not even talking to the two of us. There were two other people that were doing collab. <laughs> saved by grace. Ah, God, you have been saving me, Tete. That's how God saved me and put focus on some other people. They were doing their collab. Stand up. Get up. While well, they were still busy trying to explain, give me your papers. Collect your papers. Get out of the hall. Ha! Ah, if, if it even crossed my mind to attempt what she was offering, that cross eh, was deleted immediately. I just faced my front. She too just quietly took her paper. I said, you want to put me in trouble. You know? So what are you seeing? Stephen saw heaven open. He saw Jesus at the right hand of the Father. The guy was already there. Even if they did not stone him, honestly, Stephen for cross. He did not need any other crossing. He did not need visa to go anywhere again. He was already there. How can a man see heaven open and still be on this side of the divide? Really, who can see heaven open and be on this side of the divide? He saw heaven open and they didn't. Instead, they blocked their ears and they activated their legs to do evil. You know, in God's favorite house, we always say we are better together. And sometimes the weight of this world, the broken world that we are in, can be a bit heavy. But I want to encourage us, don't do life alone. Don't do life alone. Connect with other people. Connect with other people and stay focused with them and let their fire reactivate your fire in the mighty name of Jesus Amen. Okay, looks like I don't have a lot of time. Can I get five more minutes, Debbie? <laughs> Praise God. Okay, so very quickly, we're just going to look at verses 51 and 53. Remember that Pastor Bologi had explained who, that these people were Sadducees and they claimed to know the law of Moses and everyone that attempts to distort it, yet they were the worst of them. And that's why Stephen, even though he started politely, by the time he was done telling them everything that was true in the law that they claimed to know, he immediately told them, you people are stiff-necked and stubborn, and you are always looking for who to rope in. Meanwhile, you yourself, you don't even keep the law. And they got angry, and they took him out. They closed their ears, closed everything, and they pushed him out. Then they removed their coats and gave to Saul. I think Pastor Bolaji expanded on Saul of Tarsus last week. They gave their coats to Saul and they went to stone a person. Now, even though this was physical stone, whenever we gather and tell a lie against someone, do you know that you're also permitting that person with stones? When you gather and you cannot defend another person that has been slandered, you're part of it. Saul was holding coats for people, but that coat he was holding was holding, they went to do evil and he was holding their coats. 
if you justify yourself by saying that, oh, I'm just standing there, I'm just helping people to hold their coats, but you are there and you did nothing. So you are part of it. We need to be careful. We need to really, really, really be careful in the things that we um, join forces with. While they stoned him, Stephen prayed for forgiveness. Why did Stephen pray for forgiveness? His eyes were on Jesus, the author and finisher of his faith. So the question is, who do you look up to when you are in a crisis? Who do you look up to? You know, a lot of times crisis comes. It comes to push us out of our comfort zone into something bigger. So again, I want to encourage us to stay tuned to Thrive next week because we'll begin to see what had happened by the time Stephen, you know, died. So verse 59 and 60 says, And while they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive and accept and welcome my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out loudly, Lord, fix not this sin upon them. Lay it not to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep in death. Stephen had seen where he was going to. And he knelt down and he prayed and he fell asleep. And he was translated to heaven. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And we have come to the end of the teaching. Hallelujah. So, <laughs> praise God. Hallelujah. So, if we have any questions, please, let's be encouraged to send them in while we welcome Papi in the house. Hello, sir. How are you doing, sir? I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> to cover. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot. But I reserved one big question for you while we wait for um, questions for um, our online community. So, okay. um, sorry, let me just fish it out. Yes. You know, when um, we've been looking at Stephen and looking at Philip, that these two and others were chosen for feeding people, right? However, we see here that Stephen had uh, gone to go and be preaching the word of God until he was stoned to death. You know, so there may be people who are struggling with the departments they were posted to to serve, you know, thinking, ah, ah. See now, Stephen and Philip, they were called to serve football. Yeah, see how powerfully God has gone to use them. So, you know, um, I want you to please um, shed a bit more light on it before people start jumping from one department to the other, calling themselves Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I mean, that is, those two guys and, and, and maybe a couple of other of the uh, Dickens you know, are very, very uh, good examples for us, you know, because we tend to limit ourselves or think that our service in church is the summation of our calling in God. So our service in church isn't always, you know, the summation of our calling in God. Our service in church gives us um, a place in the community of faith, gives us the authenticity in the community of faith. So 
if something had happened to Philip, or for, for instance, and they came to ask the church, the church would say, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of our guys. And, you know, he's a faithful guy. Or maybe Stephen needs to get married or something, or needs to do something socially. You know, the church can say, oh, yeah, this guy has been consistent and all that. So serving God's people can be a start. However, people that feel called to a platform ministry should not insist that it must be expressed in the church. There is a stage that is a global stage that God even wants you to step into. So people are, I mean, I've seen people, some young guy came to me <laughs> years ago, this over two decades ago, and said to me that, he said to me that his pastor who happened to be my pastor then also, that his pastor, our pastor is jealous of his anointing. <laughs> I was shocked. I found it ridiculous. He says, he says that our pastor is jealous of his anointing, you know? And I'm like, why? Why would you say that? He says, oh, that in his time with God, it's, you know, he feels the anointing of the Holy Ghost and God gives him word revelation, deep revelations from the Bible. And he went to meet pastor that he should give him the mic one Sunday so that he can preach one of the powerful messages that, <laughs> that God has given him, you know, but the pastor will not allow him. You know, the pastor is afraid, he's an insecure leader that is, is, is jealous of his anointing, you know. And I said to him, I said, Debo, oh, sorry, I mentioned this name. <laughs> Okay, we don't know him. Like, okay, you, you guys know him. And he's doing very well today. I mean, he's a good guy. You know, so as I said to him, I said to him that, listen, I disagree with you, you know? And he was like, ah, what do you mean? He, he expected, because by the grace of God, you know, I, I have a thriving work with God, you know? And, you know, and he expected that, I would join him and say, hey, pastor should be sharing his mic with us. That we too, we have word, you know. <laughs> we, ah, we, <laughs> uh, we have word, you know, that we want to share. And these words are legitimately from God, you know. So why would he be hugging the, the pulpit, you know? Is he his church, you know? Is he not the church of God? You know, so he expected that I would join in his, uh, uh, well, whatever. So I said to him, I disagree. You know, I don't think that that is the purpose of the church. So I said to him, I said, look at the marketplace. No, you don't need permission from anybody. Go and put stones and stand. That will be your platform. I'm preaching the market. Preach this powerful word. Heal the sick. There are people that need to be healed. Lay hands on them, they will be healed. There are mad people on the, on the road. Cast out the devils, they'll be well. There are, nobody is going to stop you from doing that. Mm -hmm. In fact, let's go and do that. I'm for you. I'm with you. He looked at me and said, yeah, he doesn't want to do that. <laughs> is that puppy? <laughs> 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 
he wants. You know, unfortunately, we are, we, we don't understand the kingdom. The purpose of the pulpit is to train you so that you can go and represent the kingdom so that a Stephen can come on Sunday and a Philip can be serving tables. They can be changing diapers for children in Ciroc. But on Monday, they're in the marketplace. They are raising the dead. They are casting out demons. They are are ministering on social media to hundreds of thousands of people. You see, but unfortunately, when people have that influence in the social space, Mm -hmm. they begin to look down on their pastors. And and they say, ah, a pastor even have only 1,000 followers. Eh? We will have 200,000. <laughs> Instead of realizing that that is their roots, mm. that is where they are planted. It's just like a river, a river that forgets its source. Mm. It, it will soon dry up. Absolutely. So your source is your source. You can be expressive in the different dimensions. I don't think Peter experienced teleporting, mm. but Stephen did. Oh no, Philip did. Philip, Philip, yes. He was carried from one country to another without going through, um, getting on board on an aeroplane. I don't, I'm not even sure they had aeroplanes back in the day. He experienced a different dimension than none of those apostles. Why? But on Sunday, quote unquote, is there serving tables, serving the widow, yeah. washing plates, is mm-hmm. humble. But some people, small anointing like this, small revelation. Sure. <laughs> They are looking at your pastor like, ah, we, too, we have this thing now. Yes, no. You know? So, so yeah, it's very, very, very uh, instructive for us. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know if that answered your question. I hope I didn't take it off course. Um, no, 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 not at all. So I think it even went um, beyond, maybe it would have entered the next question um, I was going to ask. But, yes, it's so, it's so true that... We need to stay where God has called us to stay, you know, because it's so instructive that Sunday you come in, serve the tables, change the diapers. Monday you go out to the marketplace and win souls for Christ. Why are you looking for a pulpit to come and hold microphone? Your mouth gate is open. Speak. People will amen. listen to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Do we have any questions online? Okay, we don't have any questions online. Um, sir, I don't know if you want to add to... <laughs> yes, yeah, so um, if you look at the historical context, you know, of um, Stephen's narrative, you will see how the old covenant and the new covenant, as we call it, is actually a fusion. God is on a journey. You know, there is no separation. You see, sometimes I've heard people say, oh, you know, just read New Testament, leave Old Testament, you know, and, you know, don't read the Old Testament, don't understand the stories there, they don't apply to us. It's not true. It's not true. It's just like not knowing your roots, not knowing the, the same thing as the river that forgets its roots. 
You know, Stephen took it from Abraham and told the story of how it came to Christ and how everything ties together in this story of salvation and the journey of humanity. So I'd, I'd say that, I mean, as believers, we have to give ourselves to understanding scriptures. And by that, we shouldn't say Old Testament, New Testament. We should understand it. However, we should understand it with the lens of Christ. We should look at we should look at everything through the lens of Christ, you know, and 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 we'll be stronger in our faith. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. So true, sir. We will be stronger in our faith because when we begin to separate it, which is what these um, freed slaves were doing, like, oh, you are trying to talk about Jesus. There's no Jesus. You know, and like you shared last week, there are still people that believe that Jesus' body was stolen away. He did not resurrect. So those people would equally separate this one. Moses was here. We are sticking with this law. We are sticking with that law. However, just like you said, it's a fusion. Everything is one. Everything is, is um, fused together to the story of salvation. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much, sir. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Debbie, do we have any questions now? None. Okay. So no more questions, sir. Okay. Thank you. And um, well done, Pastor Molake. Um, great, 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 great teaching. Um, thank you, everybody, uh, for joining us today at Thrive. And um, let's pray as we close the service. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word that is always fresh and new. Lord, accept our thanks in Jesus' name. As we go, we ask that your presence will go with us. Amen. Make the crooked places straight before us. Amen. Break it, this is the gate of brass. Amen. Cut in standard the bars of iron. Amen. Give unto us the treasures of darkness. Amen. The hidden riches of secret places. Amen. And let your name be glorified. Amen. Honor and glory we give unto you. Hallelujah. Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Amen. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. So with this I shall be. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. So God's favorite house, who are we? We are limitless all the way. Amen. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh.